Welcome to the latest episode of the Ropes and Gray Tech Studio podcast. I'm Andrew Thomases. I'm co-chair of the Ropes and Gray Technology, Media, and Telecom Industry Group. And today we have with us Steve Pepe, who is chair of Ropes and Gray's IP litigation practice and also leader of our firm-wide sector on consumer electronics and hardware. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, why don't we start off with some questions about yourself? Uh, can you tell us uh, what Ropes & Gray office you're in and how long you've been with the firm? Sure. I'm in the New York office, and I've been with Ropes & Gray for, uh, it'll be 25 years in September. I was originally with Fish & Neve. Fish & Neve merged with Ropes & Gray. And you've been doing IP litigation that whole time? IP litigation did a little bit of transactional work early in my career, but for the last 20 years or so, it's been uh, just IP litigation. Great. I know a lot of people in the IP space have uh, technical degrees or technical backgrounds. Do you have one of those? I do. I have a degree in electrical engineering. Um, uh, I would not say I am an electrical engineer, but I do have a degree in electrical engineering. My guess is you... Uh understand electrical engineering issues much better than the average person, huh? I think that's right, but my wife still won't let me uh, change a light bulb. She says that's too complicated for me. All right, but hopefully the law is not too complicated for you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your practice? Uh, so I work mainly in the high-tech space, the telecommunications space for companies like uh, Samsung or LG, uh, Honeywell. Uh, I also work in the automotive space for companies like Borg Warner. And uh, then uh, I also have smaller clients like uh, a company called Stylolytics here in New York City uh, that is a, um, a web browser company. Uh, so I, I really span all of the high-tech companies. And when they uh, call you and ask you to help them out, what kind of uh, work do you do for them? What kind of projects or matters are you working on? So it's mainly IP litigation, uh, both on the offensive side and the uh, defensive side. Um, I also advise on portfolio enhancement and deal with some licensing issues, uh, both, again, inbound licensing and outbound licensing. All right, let's st step back a little bit. When you talk about intellectual property, IP litigation, what does that usually involve? Well, for, there's different flavors of IP, as I'm, I'm sure you know. There's, there's patents, there's copyrights, there's trademarks. Most of the I, IP litigation you see these days uh, is in the patent sector. Trade trade secret is increasing, uh, but most of what I do is uh, is patent litigation. Uh, I do do some trade secret litigation, uh, but it's mainly patent. And it sounds like uh, you help companies who are both enforcing their patents, but also being the target of uh, a patent litigation or an IP litigation. Yeah, I would say over the last five years, I've had about a 50-50 split between offensive litigation and, and defensive litigation. And you mentioned uh, portfolio enhancement. Uh, what does that entail? Well, a lot of times, you know, technology moves so quickly. Um, and clients sometimes come to me and ask, you know, where should we be focusing our patenting efforts? Where is technology going? What's the next big thing? Uh, and should we be focusing on that area? We also have clients that come to us and uh, are concerned that their portfolios may be weak in certain areas, and they will come to us saying, you know, should we be acquiring patents in this space? Can you help us identify patents that we could acquire? So it's it's both through the, you know, internal process of 
taking a company's inventions and being smart about uh, seeking patent protection for them, and also looking outside the company if a company perceives that it has weakness in a particular sector or a particular area. That's fascinating. So um, given your interactions with your clients lately, what are some of the, the hot areas that uh, you're seeing the clients investing in? It's really an exciting time uh, these days with how quickly technology is moving. Uh, you know, just recently in the news, uh, you can't turn on the television or surf the internet and not see something about AI, um, artificial intelligence, and how that's really moving into the into a use by companies to increase productivity, to reduce costs. You know, AI used to be this pie in the sky thing that everybody talked about, but now it's actually being implemented by companies to make things more efficient and more effective. You take AI and you link that with improvements we've seen with robotics and automation, and you're going to see a lot of changes to companies and what they're doing and, frankly, where they're, they should be patenting. Uh, we also see a lot of um, inventing and changes in the automotive industry as we move more and more towards EV and get away from uh, internal combustion engines. And when I say EV, I mean electric vehicles. Um, you think about five years ago, uh, people really weren't talking about transitioning to um, electric vehicles. And, and now, again, you, you can't turn on the television or you know, read something on the internet about the automotive industry and not see that there is this, you know, this momentum, this surge towards getting away from internal combustion engines and moving towards EV. Not just automotive, but everywhere also seems to be becoming a lot more connected, a lot of the Internet of Things and, and getting data over the air and such. Do you see that in your field? Oh, I see that a lot. <laughs> it's been a, a, a huge area. Uh, I would say even more so than, than AI and robotics, uh, this notion of making things smart, the Internet of Things, uh, that shift, that momentum has been building uh, for at least the last five years or so. And with that move towards connectedness, the Internet of Things, making things smart, there's a whole slew of of issues, legal issues that come up with that, both you know IP related and non IP related, and we get lots of questions from from clients about how to best adapt and adjust uh, in, to a world that is is connected. And I know you've both uh, published articles and spoken on the topic of 5G. Uh, any of the uh, connectedness related to that, and how does that how does that uh, impact some of your clients? It impacts every single client, uh, this move towards 5G. Uh, if you take a step back and you think about uh, 3G and 4G, um, you know, we are all familiar with that. We all know that 3G was a technology that was around you know, 10 years ago or so, and then we moved to 4G. That move between 3G and 4G was really incremental. Uh, there were some improvements in speed. There were some improvements in efficiency, but it wasn't a leap. 4G to 5G, once 5G is completely and fully deployed, um, is a, uh, it's a monumental leap in all different respects. Um, with 5G, you're going to see more machine-to-machine -machine, um, communication, um, which will open up all sorts of doors. For example, you could be driving in your car that has 5G enabled once it's fully deployed, and your car will be communicating uh, with the car 
down the road and you won't even know about it. And if that car that's ahead of you rides over some black ice, it will communicate seamlessly and without you even knowing to your car. And you may get a warning of, of black ice ahead. Um, it's things like that that 5G enables that we didn't see with 3G and 4G. And again, it, it's going to be transformative. 5G is a transformative technology, whereas the move from 3G to 4G was more incremental. I know often your your actual litigations involve products that are already on the market. Any uh, interesting products that you've uh, either defended or, or helped protect the IP of? That's a good question. One of the great things about being um, an IP lawyer is that the technology changes from, from case to case. And I've been very fortunate uh, that over my career, I've, uh, I've dealt with some pretty interesting and, and different technologies. Y- years ago, um, I uh, litigated a case uh, that involved a gyroscopically stabilized weapon system for a Navy SEAL gunship. Uh, that was you know, many years ago, but that was some of the, the cooler technology that I've dealt with. In more recent years, uh, because I do work in the telecommunications space, I've been dealing with a lot of cases that uh, that are focused on, you know, cell phones, you know, base stations, uh, connected televisions, uh, things along those lines. And uh, I really do think that that's where a lot of the uh, litigation in the near future is going to be. It's going to be in those in those consumer products that are now becoming smart and connected. So I'm starting to see that transition with my practice where, you know, almost every case was a smartphone case to now, you know, dealing with consumer products that are connected. We're going to see much more of that in the future. Fascinating. Steve, do you have any war stories about uh, any of the trials or matters that you've worked on? You know, a, a lot of us IP lawyers, we, we litigate down in the Eastern District of Texas, and um, that district has a reputation of having juries that uh, are very much pro-patent, you know, and, and it's always been a goal of mine to get a Eastern District of Texas jury to invalidate a, a patent. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to do that several years ago. Uh, in a case down in Texas uh, where there were three patents that were asserted. I was responsible for one of them, and uh, the jury wound up invalidating um, my patent that I was litigating. And uh, you found the other two valid, uh, which wasn't a great result, but at least the one that I was litigating, I was very happy to see that uh, I reached my goal of getting a Texas jury to invalidate a patent. Well, that's pretty impressive, especially uh, in Texas. So Uh, Can you give us a little more detail about how you accomplished that feat? So it was a very complicated circuit patent, and we had really good prior art. And to someone who understands circuits and knows circuits, uh, it was pretty clear uh, that this um, prior art patent that we had uh, invalidated this uh, the, the patent that was being asserted. The real challenge was how do you teach that to a lay jury? Uh, that's always the challenge for an IP litigator, uh, putting things in, in terms that a lay jury without a technical degree, they'll be able to understand it and process. And the way we did it really was with uh, effective use of graphics. Uh, we have a, uh, a graphics, an internal litigation graphics department at, at Ropes. Not a lot of firms have that. Um, and I spent hours with them uh, side by side with the asserted patent and the prior art patent, 
and we were able to uh, color code the patents in such a way that it became crystal clear looking at our demonstrative that what was in the prior art was in the patent. And what was interesting about the trial uh, was that we were able to talk to the jury after. And that was the first question I asked. You know, you found one of these patents invalid and the other two valid. How'd that happen? And, you know, they went right to the graphics and they said, you know, we didn't understand the technology, but when you looked at the graphics, you could see that what was in the patent was also in the prior art patent. And we were able to match up the color colors and, and see it exact that it was crystal clear during the examination of the expert that this, this patent uh, was no way it was going to be, uh, be valid. And then when the other side's expert got on the stand, uh, that expert didn't have any graphics at all and didn't respond to your graphics. So it, it was pretty clear to us as the jury that the patent was invalid. So, you know, that's really a lesson there. And, and that, that goes with any patent case. It's all about presenting things to a jury such that they can understand it, knowing that they don't have a technical background or a technical degree. Obviously, you've uh, litigated cases in Texas. Uh, what other uh, forums, what other states and districts have you been in? Uh, I've been in, in lots. Like most IP lawyers that have been practicing for 25 years, I've been uh, in all the major uh patent jurisdictions, uh, District of Delaware, Northern D District of California, uh, Eastern District of Virginia. Uh, I've done cases as well in the Southern District of New York, Northern District of Illinois. Um, you know, I probably have litigated in, in 20 separate district courts uh, over the course of my career. Western District of Texas, which has become popular um, recently, as well as the Northern District of Texas as well. So, uh, and the ITC, um, I practice a lot in the ITC and uh, actually enjoy the pace of those, uh, those investigations. And the, uh, the ITC is the International Trade Commission in Washington, D.C., is that right? That's, that's correct, yes. Yes, yeah, I understand that they can uh, ban imported products if the ITC finds that they are infringing any IP rights, is that right? That's, that's correct. And what's interesting about the ITC is that there's no jury because you're, you're getting an injunction, an exclusion order as a remedy. Um, and so you're, you're presenting your evidence and the, the testimony to just uh, an administrative law judge. And that, you know, it, it, it's a completely different way of litigating when you're litigating to a, um, an ALJ, an administrative law judge, as opposed to a jury. You know, juries, you need to have a, a theme, a story, you know, you have to assume that um, that they they may not completely understand uh, the technology and they're not going to have the time to dig into it. And all of that changes your presentation to the jury. It's all about a story and a theme. At the ITC, it's the opposite. Um, the ALJs don't care about a story. Uh, they don't necessarily care about a theme. What they want is the evidence. And they'll sit back uh, after the, the hearing is over and they'll go through the evidence um, and they will try to get to the right result, you know, based upon, you know, the, the merits. Um, and so when you prepare for an ITC trial, an ITC hearing, as they're called, um, you still want to have a theme and a story, but it's really about focusing on, on the merits and, and doing a deep dive into the, into the technology 
A lot of these ALJs are really experienced uh, with patent cases. They understand patent cases. They understand technology. And so you could do a deeper dive into the tech, whereas you know, in a jury trial um, where you have limited amount of time, like in Texas, you, you often don't get more than five days. Um, it's hard to put on uh, the same sort of deep dive presentation in Texas that you could do in, in the ITC. Sounds like you have uh, vast experience across a lot of the different uh, jurisdictions. It's very impressive. Thank you. So, um, so let's turn to uh, some more about you, some personal stuff, and we'll call this the lightning round. So I'll ask you a bunch of quick questions, and uh, you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. So, uh, where do you live? I live out in Long Island. Actually, I'm only about five minutes away from the Eastern District of New York courthouse. Unfortunately, I have never had a case in that court. I'm waiting for one, but I haven't had one yet. So uh, Yankees or Mets? Yankees, absolutely. Any kids? I have five, five kids. All right, uh, favorite TV show? Uh, the Office. Oh, favorite character on The Office? No, that's uh, that's a good question, and I think it it varies uh, for me from time to time. But I would say I'm probably a Jim Halpert fan, more so than any other character. All right, last question: In a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which is more important, the peanut butter or the jelly? I have some very strong views about this question. In my view, it's neither the peanut butter nor the jelly that matter. What matters is the bread. If you have the wrong bread, if the bread is old, if the bread is stale, it can ruin the sandwich. So peanut butter doesn't matter much. The jelly doesn't matter. It's all about the bread. There you go, bread man. Well, Steve, thanks very much for your time. It was great to get to know you. Thanks again to all of our listeners. This has been the RNG Tech Studio podcast. It is available up on the Ropes and Gray website, on the RNG Tech Studio podcast page, and also wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining as well. Thanks, everybody.